I am that pumpkin spice bitch. Mm. Not even mm-hmm. going to try to not be. I'm not even going to act like I'm not. Mm-mm. I got pumpkin awesome. spice muffins. I got pumpkin spice tea. I Muffin. got this pumpkin spice coffee. You know, I Khalifa, pumpkin cream makes, Khalifa makes pumpkin spice almond milk. And you know, I got that shit. Dude, that stuff <laughs> is good. Yeah, it's really good. I don't even <laughs> like almond milk. I know, but this shit's really good. And then I'm also like, how is it not called Wiz Khalifa Farms? <laughs> Come on. Welcome to that episode was We Are Popsicle. In this episode, we'll be offering opinions and reactions to Sandman Season 1, Episode 11, the bonus episode we were all dreaming about ever since it was leaked by Justin's best friend, Neil Gaiman, <laughs> on Twitter. Dream of a thousand hats, and of course, Calliope. The series was developed by Neil Gaiman, obviously David Goyer and Alan Heinberg, who also is the showrunner. The episode was written by Lauren Bellow. Oh, that's not correct, sorry, that's an old, my bad. I'm on, I'm on vacation. That's Phil, our producer, talking. <laughs> the one who admitted to fucking this up. <laughs> Just kidding, he's on vacation. Um, anyway, this was not written by Lauren Bello, but it is Dream of a Thousand Cats. It was directed and designed by Hisco Holsing and Calliope by Louise Hooper. Teleplays were by Catherine Smith McMullen. We've decided it's Smith and not Smythe, right? Yeah, okay. Welcome to the most graceful intro of the show thus far. I'm joined. <laughs> by my very spooky co-hosts. It is October. Um, but I'm Kelly Sue, as you know, probably now by the sound of my voice. Uh, joining me repping the Ghostbusters is of course, Justin Penniston. You know, I gotta bring it home from my homie Jones. Yep, that's right. Jones is hardcore obsessed with Bustin right now. Um, Bustin makes him feel good. Bustin Peniston. <laughs> well done. Very wow. nicely done. <laughs> what happens when you get the pumpkin spice going? <laughs> um, with us, of course, is also Claire Thorne, who's doing a little less busting, but still keeping it real. I do keep it real. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Very well. Like for when I'm, Yeah, but the, except when I'm like mashing things up, uh, then yeah, then anything's possible. Everybody loves a science mashup. Mm-hmm. Um, and who loves science mashup the most is, of course, my associate, Lisa K. Weber. Mash <laughs> it. Mash <laughs> it. Monster mash. Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, our brilliant, infallible producer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Philip Kelly, who's on vacation. Mm-hmm. And he is streaming in from 
the DC area. So it's not to piss off Justin. I'll say the DC area. You wouldn't not, piss me off unless you called Alexandria DC. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So it's not to piss you off. Yeah, that's not I'm saying yeah, DC that's area. Acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now that's cleared up. <laughs> it sounds like you're in a black like, a CIA safe house or something. Yeah. It oh, does. My word. Does it? The sound it. weird. Yeah, sound. No, no. Oh, it yeah, just, I, or... I don't think it's coming from your mic. I was like, did you not bring your mic on vacation? That's normal. It but... looks like you did. Hmm. Looks we'll like see. it did. We'll see if I can fix it while you guys talk. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's dive right in. I don't really think that either one of these stories needs a whole lot of introduction, but we're going to start at the beginning with, of course, the beautiful animated realization of, I think, one of our collective favorite stories from the Sandman, The Dream of the Thousand Cats. Um, I mean, again, I could describe what we watched and I could describe all the reasons that we love it, but that's boring. So let's just dive in and talk about how freaking cool it was to see this story animated. Lisa's oh, shaking her head God. with joy, but we're gonna I start with her. So much. So, I mean, like, I don't know about everybody else, but this is definitely one of my favorite, like single issues out of the entire series. Uh -huh. um, out of the entire comic series I just like my brain is set on fire by the concept of like a forgotten past uh -huh. um, and the way it's and like a collective will to just change reality and reshape reality I mean wow it just really like it just totally just captures so much of like my brain space whenever I encounter this story and to see it realized in this medium is um I mean wow like the movements of the cats were just oh. perfect and yeah like the entire like journey um like the path that she walks and continues walking um yeah in like through the dreams is I mean mm -hmm. like I bah. I know like what else can I say other than it's just like brilliant and yeah. I love it and I love that it exists in this way of showing like a whole different aspect of dream that he's not just um he's not just the embodiment of humanity's dream that mm -hmm. he that yeah. he serves all beings that dream um yeah. I, so i love that kind of like extension that the story represents to the larger story as well even though it's kind of a single moment yeah. so yeah, yeah it's all well i agree because it it's they mention in various ways that you know he's been you know there for other universes you know and they talk about oh a universe died because they didn't do a vortex right and blah 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 <laughs> which implies you know and but all of that none of that really means anything other than color do you know what i mean until yeah. this story this story actually opens it up to say that you know dreams are more than simply human foibles you know and yeah i, I i'm right there with you i dig it um, I think my only, um, if I had a nit to pick with this episode, and I really don't, I mean, it's a really fabulous 
yeah. work. And mm-hmm. I think I, I love, in fact, that it's basically saying we're going to go where this story takes us. Mm-hmm. And if the convention doesn't exist for us to do it in TV space, we're going to do whatever we need to do. And like choosing to do an animated episode in this way, like it's not tongue in cheek. It's not like, you know, the musical episode of or something like that. It is, (laughs) it's done because it serves the story best. And I, I love that willingness, that openness to do what needs to be done to tell the best story the best way. Um, and I say all of that. And then again, my my only nit to pick is I find myself as a fan of the comic wishing the animation had evoked Kelly Jones's work in the comic a bit more. Mm. But that's a that's a you know, that's that's really just me wanting to eat my cake and have it still be there on the plate when I'm done. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not like totally. yeah. That's not like well, and what's, what's interesting about the composition of the episode is that. Um, the director talked about how he didn't really have any access to any of the live action stuff yet at the time that they were animating the short. Mm. He only got bits and pieces. So I was actually really amazed by how well it fit in with the style of the rest of the show, given that the fact that the director was like, I had basically zero reference points for what the live show was going to look like and feel like, aside from like, really tiny snippets that weren't even anything (laughs) so I think that that's really amazing but I hear you on it looking bit being kind of a departure from the artwork for sure I mean they did cool things apparently they were doing paintings classically used for 2D animation with 3D cat representations and you know I, I look it's it's cool visually it's cool it's and i I don't want to take anything away from the animation in any way actually i just you know like i said it's a knit that you know it's there and it must be picked (laughs) not but not on not on screen (laughs) none of you can see me picking this mind your business (laughs) i just assume you always are just to be (laughs) safe the animation ended up really being this nice juxtaposition of what I think the story, what I love about the story so much is that it's this very, very serious story, but inherently when you tell a story with cats, it's just adorable. It's just big anime (laughs) eyes and adorable. And you want to scritch all of the kitties and it's delightful. But I think that that's a really great that's a really great thing about Gaiman's writing and the yeah. series in general is that there's so frequently these, these juxtapositions of mm-hmm. beauty and then that kind of just dramatic. And I think the animation that like you were saying, Justin, that it's interesting knowing that detail about it, that there's this mm-hmm. like background art, the way that looks mm-hmm. then versus like they'll <laughs> swing around kind of almost with the quote unquote camera and you're looking at this little kitten who's <laughs> going on this little adventure um, and the little faces and they feel very cartoon-ish. I mean, they're very nicely done, realistically done, but it you yeah. feel the animation there. Um, and I like that about it. I loved that it had that, you know, you 
it, yeah, it's just, it was gorgeous. And I think really kind of highlights for me what I, uh, the, the playfulness mashed up with the horror elements of it, because there Uh are like the, the visuals of, of the journey to, to meet the cat, you know, Morpheus is, is the cat and the idea of this world before where cats were just eating. I don't know if you've ever seen those nature documentaries about orcas and how they play with their food when they eat it. Sociopathic it is like, that's what it like brings to mind for me. So it's just, just this swirl of yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, are we unclear on. on the fact that cats are total sociopaths? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the but like what you're saying is so true. Like that juxtaposition works so particularly well, just in that final shot yeah. where it's yeah. like, oh, look how cute this little kitten is dreaming Woo. of hunting. But you know what that cat is dreaming of? It's dreaming of eating people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like that. that. It's that perfect juxtaposition of like the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little naked people. Being if you here. like this episode, you might also like a movie called Sleepwalkers. Mm. Oh, <laughs> See, I was thinking more of like uh, Fantastic Planet or oh. or, or the Ralph, Ralph Bakshi films because that's what um, uh, yeah. this really reminds me of the rotoscoping and the yeah yeah you know the the use yeah. of. Uh, some sometimes in the, in this episode you see the same animated cat walk past just with a different background like it will they'll reuse the same animation and surround it with something different um which is smart because you know (laughs) you don't want to have to animate a a different cat pose every single time it's Um, also a classic animation technique yes yes it is it is yeah um yeah it's really well done i was yeah i I like the the bakshi feel of and a huge shout out as well to the all-star cast oh wow yeah um, yeah voices impressive michael sheen david tennant of course wonderful performance by sandra oh as the prophet Mm -hmm. um just wow across the board great job Mm -hmm. you guys (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so we have another episode to talk about in this conversation um but if anybody has any burning desires about sharing in regards to this 15 minute beautiful short please share them now i mean (laughs) all i know is i'm a brand new cat dad and so it has a slightly (laughs) different impact you know (laughs) Um, um, especially because one of my cats he loves the tv we put on we put on cat tv on youtube for him and he is like all up in it and oh man cat tv i love cat tv (laughs) the best it's anyway that's all i got really it it hits differently now that uh, you have a couple of cats yeah you know for me the i thought it was interesting that these are the two stories that are presented as the bonus episode and the connecting piece for me as i was watching the first time and the second time and frankly like the third and fourth time because if i'm going to sit here and try to act like i haven't watched this mm-hmm. twice mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. saying i'm not that into pumpkin spice <laughs> it's just false so the connective tissue between these stories for me was the um the callousness of the prophet's parent 
dad who steals her babies and throws them away, literally drowning them because they are not purebred, right? Mm -hmm. And that carries us into the dramatization of Calliope. I, um, before we, which, before we go to Calliope, I just have to say that I recommended this episode to someone who's a little bit like squeamish and very sensitive about pets and honestly forgot that that could get ended. Yeah. As it ended up being very graphically <laughs> animated and I'm watching it. And yeah. I'm like, oh crap. Whoops. <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> it's my bad. Oh. Um, but really it is, I think what connects these two stories, because how is that any different than what Erasmus Fry and, um, is it Ray Maddock? Rick, Rich, Rick, 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 exactly. Um, due to Calliope and top of the discussion, shout out to dear, sweet Rory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Man, did you get your chance to be a total fucking dick finally? <laughs> wow. And such an insidious one, too. Oh, man. Ugh. Nailed wow. it. Wow. Wow. Um, so so we, we'll open I, it up. And I, I just will, I'll start the discussion by saying I was so relieved. I was very afraid to watch this particular episode because reading Calliope was low-key trauma for me mm -hmm. <laughs> um and I'm really glad that they didn't lean into the violence of that story um and really just kind of let it it was almost like they just let that insidiousness that Lisa mentioned kind of seep into all of the scenes which mm -hmm. made it hit just as hard but in a different way. And I really appreciated that. Justin, excuse me for cutting you off. No, it's okay. Um, I definitely, um, there is a, sh it's interesting that these two stories were also illustrated by the same artist in the comics. Mm -hmm. um, and because, yeah, both are stories about how we dehumanize Mm -hmm. you know, to justify what we want, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one, one could argue, well, they're just doing it to things that aren't people, you know, cats mm -hmm. and, you know, and goddesses, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, to yeah. which I say, what's the definition of, of people, of person, you know, does one have to be human to have human, quote unquote humanity, you know, and it, it it really brings up all of this, you know, what does it mean to have respect for life and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it, it really digs in conceptually yeah. to those things. Am I the only one who watches slash reads, especially, I shouldn't say reads, who watches this? Mm. And because a big change, an interesting change mm -hmm. in this, from the the from the comic to the show is how quote unquote woke they made Rick Maddock. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like they juxtapose his, you know, fairly brutal, if if subtly presented, but still brutal use of mm -hmm. Calliope mm -hmm. against his 
insistence on using women and people of color and Mm -hmm. being a feminist writer and, you know, really Mm -hmm. like trying to do well by his fellow man, Mm -hmm. you know? And am I the only one who was just like, this is motherfucking Joss Whedon. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know? yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I yeah. mean, you know? it was it was very noticeable. I feel like I remember there was like hints of that in the comic, but certainly oh. not to the degree that it was pushed in this iteration there's, of the show, which was a, perfect. Like, yeah, it's... He, uh, Sorry, there is okay, his line in the comic. I'm there. Well, I'm just yeah. going to say that that when we were reading it the first time, one of the lines in this story that really just hit me over the head was just when he's at a party. Um, he has the line about, well, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm and, and he talks mm-hmm. about strong female characters and all of this stuff. And it's probably even more blatant, Justin, in the comic than it is here even i think it's it's almost word for word there there are some slight because i actually looked at that and compared them and you know it's it's really Mm -hmm. close you know um yeah yeah, it's it's definitely pushed more here like with the whole like oh i want like as he's like Uh as yeah like you said like he's with calliope like Uh still trying to be like oh this is us this is something we're doing uh-huh. Um, while she's like, I don't understand why you don't understand what's happening here. Um, yeah. and he's getting all frustrated and mad at her that she's not understanding that, that he's, that she's not understanding his excuses for his behavior towards her. Yeah. <laughs> And it's and then it's answers so the phone to be man. like, oh, yeah. I insist on fifty percent female crew and people of color and like that juxtaposition was so perfectly done because that's exactly what it's like with these motherfuckers. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and patriarchy as a whole—it's just such a great analogy of this big you know centuries thousands you know millennia long problem of yeah one group of people not seeing another Mm -hmm. group of people as Mm -hmm. people yeah entirely well and and still censuring himself in it all still like censuring the white man to be the one exactly yeah bringing in all these other groups of people right so it's still so he still gets to be the savior he still gets to be he's struggling to have ideas i know it's hard can't you be compassionate to that yeah and that whole thing about like the whole like the privilege aspect of it where it's like i deserve this yeah like and it's so timely especially with everything that's going on it's not something I'm deeply plugged into, but it's in headlines where they're talking about this concept of the demise of the wife guy. These guys that present as being these adoring husbands who are obsessed mm. with their wives. And in very oh, short order, within like a month and a half, three of them have been exposed in these wild cheating scandals. Mm. That so is- much so that one of the try guys was actually fired. Yeah. His show mm-hmm. because of how shocked and appalled everybody was by this behavior right um and it's a it's a perfect example of that where it's like he's he's saying i i want to you know i'll i want a 50 percent female production crew and i want people of color and all of it is to be like well if i do that it makes this okay 
Yeah, exactly. This is my ticket to absolve myself of the guilt I feel for just being shitty. Mm -hmm. And it's not across the board, you know, this isn't like a blanket statement for all white men everywhere, (laughs) you know, but but Kelly, so I think it can be a blanket statement for how we should treat where we are right now in dealing with patriarchy. It is is a, it is a reminder Mm -hmm. that hearing all of this being said is not indicative of the problem having gone away. It, you know, we still have to have every day, very close relationships and scrutiny and, and keep working at, you know, all of the things. Okay. Wow. Soapbox. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to not get on one after watching this episode because it's just infuriating. There's a, I mean, the the big element that I get, you know, is that the performative sort of aspect is Mm -hmm. something that isn't relegated just to you know straight white men that's something that can be used by anybody especially online these days that performative sort of thing really does uh you know people step online they make themselves feel good about themselves they announce you know all these great ideas these big things they they say all the right things they need to say to be looked upon as being um a crucial element to our forward movement in this society and it's a Mm -hmm. Virtual signaling is absolutely yeah. a thing yeah. and it's, yeah. and it's universal. Yeah. And yeah. I think without dismissing everything that Claire just said about the patriarchy, which is a hundred percent true. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, anyone with power and opportunity tends in this direction in their way, in their own way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, again, tying into Dream of a Thousand Cats, it's not like the, you know, it's that dream that the cats have, it's not a better world for everybody, it's just a better world for them, you know, (laughs) and so it's like when we, it's like talking about building, you know, Mm -hmm. an all things equal society, Mm -hmm. um, where no one group is superior to another mm-hmm. um have we done that as sure. humans i don't think we've accomplished that <laughs> ever hmm. i don't know it feels very conceptual can you give me a couple examples yeah. i can't <laughs> i actually can't <laughs> yeah um there's there's something that the that asshole David Tennant says in in Dream of a Thousand Cats. What a jerk. Uh, I know, right? He's such a. I love that it's his wife uh, playing his wife. Right. Both both same with, Mar- same with Michael Sheen. Yeah. 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 Both yeah. Michael yeah. Sheen. Yeah. Their wives are. If you've watched uh, Staged, have you watched? Some of it. The, I, I love it. I love that show, the, and the, I love the, the, the little yeah. pandemic, you know, like short yeah. series that you know, David yeah. Tennant, Michael Sheen did. So good. Sheer yeah. brilliance. Yeah. yeah. With their wives. With yeah. their wives. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, uh, the line that he says after it's happened, after he's tossed the cats where he's like, oh, she probably doesn't even realize what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that's the same sort of weird dismissiveness we're talking about with the, uh, with yep. Calliope, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. to, well, to, Erasmus Fry even says, don't worry. It's not like she's human. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, well, mm-hmm. Justin, as Justin started off saying, you know, what, what defines, 
uh, a person, a person, I mean, agency, right? And, you know, uh, you're taking away somebody's agency or a thing's agency. Uh, what's a cat's agency? You know, survive. That's mm -hmm. that's it. You know, maybe maybe so. That's that's about it. You know, and, and mm -hmm. you toss them into the river. There goes that agency to survive. You've, you've taken that away. Um, but it, I mean, this really gets into something that my dad always used to say, because he and he said it because he didn't really want pets, you know, and my mom did. So <laughs> and we got them. But, you know, like. Our beloved pets, we take away their agency. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, what being really wants to live captive? What being wants to be operated on and have their ability to procreate removed? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we do these things to our pets and tell ourselves it's for their own good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But we are definitely, the, the very act of owning a pet is an act of dehumanization. Yeah, you know, I'm a new cat. I'm a new cat dad, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would no, say to some degree, yeah. we're all the oppressors. It, look, yeah, yeah. Let, let's not bad, let's bad not sin. fool ourselves. We might be, yeah. you know, we're good masses, but we masses. That's a, new, that's a new Star Trek episode I want on Strange New Worlds, where they visit a place, a society where all beings are treated with full allowing them to have full agency and like what that would look like yeah yeah let's see it i want to see that give it to me <laughs> it would um, be anarchy it would be anarchy captain pike's yeah, hair would, would be, need I want to be to... about three inches on the like front like yeah. just yeah i do want to point out one of the things that i thought was interesting about this story um in the comic but also um, of course, in the episode. Um, and it's one of the things we've talked about with Dream a handful of times. So Dream arrives and is wanting to help Calliope out of guilt. <laughs> um, and is so quick to want to hand down retribution in a violent way mm. where it's like oh well, he was violent to you so let me at him and she's over there being like fucking dudes seriously <laughs> and she's like no i just want you to inspire him to let me go <laughs> and he can, he can barely do it right mm -hmm. yeah and it's funny because he's got this whole thing aimed at you know rick but it's like bitch you did the same thing almost twice right with nada mm -hmm. and then he also we know the history with him and calliope mm -hmm. and so he's here almost like he he's offering his punishment he's offering the punishment to rick that he feels he deserves. That's what I felt watching the episode, which was something that didn't quite hit me when I was reading the comic. Um, but I thought that was another interesting kind of look at all of the various sides of these things where it's like, when someone does us wrong, how do we respond? Do we want to do the same thing back to them and then say that we, we were you know validated in that choice because we were hurt? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I just think it was like, this is really what sets Calliope apart from humans is that she's like, 
I just want to be free. I don't, I don't care what happens to him. I just want to be free, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I the really that, love how they kind of were driving some of those themes home yeah. as well. This episode, the way that highlights, again, we're talking about autonomy, like the, the idea of giving a victim of trauma, mm. their autonomy to decide to not be re-traumatized by someone kind of swooping in to protect them. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, the acts yeah. of, and, and that's because very frequently we, we don't, we don't give any thought whatsoever yeah. to a victim's experience of a particular trauma. We mm-hmm. as a society feel like we need to define how people should feel about how they've been treated or how they choose to mm-hmm. respond to that. Um, yeah. We judge it. We're, we're horribly judgmental about you should uh-huh. feel this way. You should feel that way. You should, why aren't you displaying uh-huh. this emotion or that emotion? And she's this perfect example of just, you know, I am just going to walk away and move on. And uh-huh. I'm going to be, I'm going to react to this the way I want to react to it. And it's yeah. not your business. And I may not interact with you about it. And I don't have to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's yeah, interesting. I, um, I, oh, I loved the, I loved how she like stated her own Uh needs basically when Uh Morpheus comes, um, you know, to like swoop in and play the hero. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not why Uh I called you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, don't do me like, I, you know, it's like, that's like, I have a very specific need. I'm sorry. I don't know why everything keeps pinging, even though I have silenced everything. Can't hear anything. I can't hear any pinging. It keeps on happening. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> Do you um, hear pinging, you guys? Because I don't. Uh, I heard a ping. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I turned, I silenced everything. I don't know anymore. Not a big deal. Wait, Spell, why can you all, all hear it and out. I can't hear it? Anyway, <laughs> I... Um, I, where was I? <laughs> you were talking about everything pinging. And how your pings like Thanks. all of us more than Kelly Sue. Thanks, <laughs> Kelly Sue. Thank you, everyone. Um, you got you, girl. You were no, talking anyway, about Morpheus just, swooping in. Yeah, and, that, it's uh, like, I love that it's, I love that because this is her story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i wish y'all could have just yeah. seen lisa pick up an ipad and legitimately throw it across the room <laughs> it landed on a bed don't worry <laughs> that was amazing um, <laughs> so Morpheus swoops in and tries to be a hero this is all destroyed now it's all ruined it's ruined it's ruined no but i um it was just like, these were like, there were so many moments where I was like falling in love with Calliope as she was like, you know, basically making her case over and over and over again. And so calmly and patiently, like, despite everything, trying to like reason with these fucking dudes. Um, yeah. And she always stayed true to herself and she always stayed like, totally. Um she always stayed like very sure of like who she was 
She didn't Mm -hmm. like, despite everything that was taken from her, like those are the words she used, um, that it didn't, it wasn't going to destroy her. Yeah. You know? Um, and it wasn't going to change who she was at her core. Um, and I just really loved that. I really loved that that was consistent in all of her dealings with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Very agreed mm-hmm. on that piece. Yeah. Um, and of course, brilliant performances throughout. Derek Jacoby. Yeah. Really, I mean, really. Derek Jacoby. if there's a yeah. marker of like, you just automatically, you see him on screen and you're just like, oh, yep. this is automatically elevated for me yep. in a way that is just mm-hmm. <sighs> so true. Um, I think now might be a good time for us to take a break, check our pings, <laughs> really think about what has gone on here today. <laughs> Do some soul searching. And then listen to what you're about to hear on this break, which I think is just more of us talking to you about stuff. (laughs) Come on back for some hot takes. If you're enjoying this conversation, please be sure to check out the latest that episode was discussion about Amazon's How I Met Your Mordor. Excuse me. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. A bit later this fall, we will be peeling back the curtain on David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with a new throwback series, That Gum You Like. And keep checking back for more popsicle pop-ups. You never know what's going to strike our fancy and for the next big conversation. Uh, For all of those updates, follow Popsicle Pod on all social medias and sign up for the Popsicle newsletter on our website, popsiclepod.com. That's Popsicle Pod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Oh, and wherever you get your Popsicle, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Your input helps spread the word and expand this very intellectual conversation. Let's share some hot takes. Um, My first hot take is um, the actress playing Calliope is so beautiful. (laughs) I was expecting a Calliope similar to the one in the comic and was so pleasantly surprised. Um, Wow, stunning, also her performance was beautiful and measured yeah. and outstanding. Well, and there it was a specific casting choice yeah. for them to cast someone who is Greek. Amazing. So smart. Makes sense. <laughs> well, I, I, they um they actually they immediately stopped looking when they got to, and I hope I say this correctly, Melisanti Mayhut. Mm-hmm. Um like as soon as they got her her audition audition tape, they knew that she was right for the part. And they didn't even, at least according to Alan Heinberg, you know, they found out after that 
you know, she was Greek or, you know, wow. and that was, that made it even more perfect. Well, somebody, think, somebody in I the press is look, like, oh, we need to do how cast. I think they really, um, huh. I think it was important that they cast someone who came off as Greek as opposed mm. to as, you know, Hitler's ideal. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I think so, I, we all love it. Well, you know, look, <laughs> we've just, said it before, the, the comic, and I, this is kind of one of my hot takes, you know, yeah. just the reminder that the comic, progressive as it was, was mm-hmm. woefully not when it came yeah. to body genotypes. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? This was a white yes. comic for white people, you know. I'm just envisioning casting totally. calls now asking for Hitler's ideal. <laughs> you know, well... <laughs> I mean, I mean, not only was she blonde, she was blonde, tall, and bone thin. You know yep. what I mean? Like she was an incels, you know, deepest love. <laughs> and freaking I love those incels. Ugh. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really like yeah, Snyder I really cut dug motherfuckers. Her Snyder I really cut dug her casting. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Casting for sure. Um I loved the intimacy created in the scene with Dream, even though he was being uh, his little bitchy self to a degree. I really loved the history that was created in such a short amount of time. That is obviously a credit to the writers. It's a credit to the actors. I just really appreciated it um, because it was a necessary piece of this story. And I really, really loved that. It was beautifully Uh, done. The fact that it's like, they shared what, like two scenes, the one where he shows up and the one where they leave the house together. Uh And, um, yeah, both of those scenes, there's even growth in the character and Uh in that relationship in just those two scenes. It's remarkable. Really amazing. It is a credit to, um, short form storytelling when you can make stuff like that happen um no easy feat and it's one of the reasons why I love short stories so much um and then my final hot take is wow did they nail the Morpheus cat yeah Mm -hmm. I mean like nailed it yeah I was like this cat looks more like dream than dream (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah yeah I actually remember thinking that looks like it was done by Kelly Jones. Mm. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Every time you say Kelly Jones, I think you're talking about me. And I know, <laughs> like, it, my brain needs a minute to be like, he's not talking about you because my name is Kelly and my son is Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little peek into my mind. <laughs> All right, guys, hot takes. Who else has got him? I- my hot take from Calliope is just that I need to spend more time like thinking about the purpose of the fates and the structure of like the idea that, you know, she goes to these sisters, right. Uh-huh. For help. And they're like, well, you, you, you gave it away. You, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where that part of the story lands for me yet entirely. Uh-huh. Um, I know they're working within the structure of, you know, like mythology and the idea that there are these, you know, rules and written like contracts that can then be usurped, but it's still 
you know, has to be this way. Um, I have to, I, I have to reiterate something that I said when we were talking about the comic series mm. um, and we got to a section where it was like um, the moon wasn't recognizing a trans woman as a woman. Right. And mm. people who were readers were thinking that that was Neil Gaiman talking. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Neil Gaiman's writing a book about gods and gods are not woke. Right. Yeah. Um, they are no. not operating on modern ideas and progressive thoughts. <laughs> they are the opposite. They are ancient. Mm -hmm. They are unchanging. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least the side gods. I mean, we know this entire story is about dream changing or a lot of it is about dream changing, but it's like, yeah, the fates aren't woke either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're not going to be helpful. <laughs> yeah. And then I had a hot take about Kelly Sue's uh, mentioning the, what was it? The wife husband's I need, is that the, when you were talking oh, about the, the demise of the, the demise of the wife guy. Yeah. The wife oh. guy. Right. I just have never heard that. And it's, it's personally triggering in the sense that the whole wife guy, um, not about my husband who listens to this podcast religiously and I love you, honey. That's, <laughs> um, but no, it's just the wife guy thing is a central yeah. tenant to religious patriarchy that mm -hmm. I grew up with. And it's, it's, it's a really popular thing right yeah. now among quote unquote progressive, like mega church, uh, evangelicals, yeah. this concept mm -hmm. that, oh, I, I am even more worthy of being leader of this group of people because God gave me this woman to stand yeah. by my side and look how gorgeous and beautiful she is and, mm -hmm. um, capable of bearing children and, all of this other stuff, um, sure. hashtag Chris Pratt's, you know, Instagram descriptions Ooh. of his wife. Oh, sorry. Shots fired. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, very, very triggering. Yeah. 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 Fairly shot. Fairly shot. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is uh, shoot to kill. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Phil, Justin. Hit me with your hot takes. I sort of, you know, my hot takes sort of came out during the course of the discussion. Like my big hot take was the Joss Whedon comparison. Uh, yes, um, very much. I do, I have a, I have a new hot take though, sort of, which is just that it's Fresh interesting to me that the, the way the episode is framed and certainly our interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked, Lisa talked very eloquently about um, dreams, uh, you know, his tendency to make a, to have a heroic moment to come in and save the day, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is in our interpretation of it and in the episode's presentation, uh -huh. there is a sort of, I think there's still a tendency, I was talking about this on Twitter, uh, towards reinforcing toxic masculinity because mm -hmm. our whole interpretation is not giving dream 
the space that maybe someone who just escaped from prison himself deserves. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that his sure. reaction, his desire to react perhaps violently is mm. less about his maleness and mm-hmm. more about his own trauma. Uh, absolutely. You know yeah. what I mean? And because, I mean, we are definitely interpreting it as a, you know, fucking men. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. and like, and that's not wrong. I don't want to, I don't want to imply that that's wrong. I, sure. I'm only saying that like there's still a myopia in our society that has mm. a hard time seeing because they're so rarely victims, mm-hmm. men as victims. No, oh, yeah, Absolutely. I think that um, I totally agree with that. That's a fantastic point. And like I there was a line of yeah, um, when he first shows up and they're kind of like, you know, he's talking about how he was also imprisoned um and you know says that his suffering was nothing like hers and she Mm -hmm. says don't do that compounding our suffering or comparing our suffering only compounds it um Mm -hmm. and so that is like to speak to your point um to for him to conflate his trauma into hers Mm-hmm. also compounds the trauma so his again it's yeah. like his reaction of like wanting to do violence in response yeah. because of his trauma around it mm-hmm. um it's like she's saying it just makes it worse it doesn't yeah, yeah. it and doesn't solve it and yeah his own instinct to lessen his own trauma to to, to minimize his own trauma mm-hmm. you know as compared yeah. to hers and it is different mm-hmm. it's not the same Totally, and, you know, but that doesn't mean that his trauma wasn't very real. Do you know Abs- what I'm saying? Absolutely and not. Yeah. Like, and I think it's yeah. it's you know on this uh, the same coin. Not all women who have been victimized are they don't all not choose violence as retribution, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. for sure. And not all like, men do. You know, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's interesting to. Um, it's just a, it's a fascinating conversation. Um, and yeah. I totally hear all of those points and agree wholeheartedly. Yes. The more Good we have day. discussions about how patriarchy has harmed men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For it, sure. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, patriarchy isn't really serving anybody no. very well. Mm-mm. A vast majority of people, it is not serving well. Agreed. No. Like, like across the board yeah (laughs) even the people who feel that they are served by it are not yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know in the long run Mm -hmm. um phil yeah you want to lay down some hot takes uh the there there are a couple maybe i guess um there's a specific shot towards the end of dream as he's standing in the doorway and clive comes up is the most dringenberg looking dream I've seen, mm-hmm. I think, in the series is sort of coat flaps up and it's yeah. silhouette of spiky hair and everything. Really lovely. Yeah. Um the uh the visual like reveals I really like in cats, mm. uh where you know the the crow, of course, Neil Gaiman. Um is not a crow, but uh what is it? A vulture? Vulture. Vulture, thank you. Yeah, she um, called it a crow when she met the king of dream or when she met the king of cats, she called it a crow. Yeah, just a detail. 
Yeah, yeah. That's probably why I had it in my head. Yeah, it's funny, right? Um, you know, there's a great sequence. I, I love how she speaks. First of all, cats find our own path and things like that. They say, you know, just the, the, the verbalization of how a cat is is great. Right. But then, you know, he's like, be careful. And you see the cat starting to step out over the bones. And you're like, this doesn't look so bad. And they pan over and there's like a giant like mouth of a beast that's like, you know, huge. And you're like, oh, shit that's yeah. out there okay um totally. little things like that are really a lot of fun um but i i do think it's important just as it was important for us to stumble upon sandman i think when we were young and have these ideas influence us as young people um in a way that maybe hadn't been in other comic books or other media at the time mm. i can only imagine young people stumbling across Sandman on Netflix and having their world sort of shifted or their point of view sort of shifted of the world, how they've been taught, even if it's like a few kids out there living in the, you know, some suburb or some small town America who hasn't, they haven't experienced any of these things that we're talking about and just yeah. how important the second season would be in addition to the first season, like how necessary I think it is. Um, and I was really feeling that, especially while watching these episodes, that some young man or woman's going to watch this and be like, huh, I've never considered this. This is not in my daily life in any sort of intellectual way or any sort of uh, real way. And I mean, I, I think it would be, I, I have a feeling we're going to get a second season. I think it would be a real shame in that regard if we didn't. Um, yeah. Because I think it, this sort of story is important uh, yeah. in that regard. And so I, I really felt that watching these two episodes. Yeah. You know, given given what these two episodes have brought up and, you know, what this season has been about, mm -hmm. um, I think the important, like the next season is in its way more important than the subsequent seasons. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and for this, if only for this reason alone, and it's that Dream opens the next storyline by deciding he must free Nada. Uh -huh. And we need that. We need mm -hmm. that for Dream. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? That yeah. redemptive moment that is so important, you know, um, we need him to undo because like all the events of the season kind of gloss over it but that's his original sin you mm -hmm. know what i mean that he must pay for yeah and he hasn't yet yeah you know and well it's great how we leave him in this episode he's like you know what i'm gonna go and rewrite some rules too so this never happens and i yeah. i mean that's a huge where where exactly that moment falls in the timeline of everything else that's going on mm. but that's like a key thought to get him to the moment where he releases yeah. nada and again yeah. and, and seeing seeing perhaps Calliope, some of Nada in Calliope, uh, and and then in equal regards, some of Nada in himself now, you know, that being trapped even for a hundred years is, those are crucial sort of storytelling and character elements, which I, yeah. I mean, how could you not have a second season to explore that? Right. Yeah. I'm with you, Phil. I'm pretty sure we're going to get one. But I think so. I know. I had high hopes that they'd make some kind of big announcement at New York Comic Con. Maybe they will. 
It's not over yet. (laughs) Given that Neil Gaiman is there doing hardcore press for season two of Good Omens, Mm -hmm. which he described as being romantic. I know. Yeah, (laughs) it it is. is. (laughs) Oh my God. Did you see the teaser image? Their wings make hearts. Yes. (laughs) God above. Okay. Before I get too far down that rabbit hole, it is time to lay down our words for this final episode of the Sandman season one. Who among you will have to go first? It's going to be Claire. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> that episode was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It. It's, on, it's on record. We got it. Y'all praise him. <laughs> oh, please don't let that be it. Um, that episode was perfection. Yeah. Just all of it. Love it. All right. Justin. That episode was humanity. Woo! Mm. Love it. Bill? That episode was uh, hopeful. (gasps) One word, one word, one word. Who's going to break it? Lisa? No one? (laughs) That episode was Sorry, Claire. A feast oh. for the brain. I knew it. Oh, got so far. He almost asked for it, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, that episode was transcendent. Mm. And if you liked this episode, technically episodes, <laughs> um, Claire has something else that you might like. Please would... let it be Stephen King sleepwalkers. It's close. It's very close. It's not it? not that. It's it not cat not people? that. No. Oh. Okay. So cat yes, people. I'm taking this very technically, and I'm giving one recommendation for each part of this because okay. that's important. So my recommendation, if you enjoy Dream of a Thousand Cats, is even though you might have been traumatized by it in your childhood, mm. go back as an adult and rewatch the land before time because gorgeousness and yet adorableness at the same time like it is that that mixture and I'm I'm more and more realizing that I love I just love that mixture of uh darkness and and humor and sweetness sad it's why I like (laughs) it's why I like the last airbender it's you know all, the really like pinnacle animation um and uh, this kind of story is just like that's that's the best don't let your children watch the land before time i know it looks like it's for children but it's traumatizing um at until a certain age i think anyway um my recommendation for calliope will be um as I am always looking for a way to recommend um, this particular work from Stephen King um, is is the Dark Tower series um, because it is ultimately a seven book long look at how a writer interacts with his own creation and how and it depicts that interaction and the the inspiration. I mean, there aren't literal muses 
in this book, but the way he describes the story coming to him as if it is just this un uncontrollable thing it and it and it if he doesn't serve the story well then bad things are going to happen and Mm -hmm. and how his story directs his own influences and directs his own life and there's so much else going on obviously but it is the work that and to your um, point about what I'm recommending Stephen King wise Kelly Sue it is the work that brings all of his Stephen King's imaginative world and Mm. makes it one world. And just, if it does nothing else for you, then ping your brain to go, okay, now I need to look at everything and see how this book influences this book. book." It it changed my experience with Stephen King. Wow. Beautiful. Definitely. When you said uh, when you were making the recommendation for Dream of a Thousand Cats, I totally thought you were going to go the secret of Nim. I <laughs> thought she was going to uh, say Watership Down. Uh, Watership I, down? I consider oh, all have. We all had different. Yes. We all had different ones. Yeah. 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 I consider Watership Down very carefully. I have not yet seen Secret of Nim. Oh um, my god, that's right. right. That's so, on the list, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Am I the only one who, when Claire said the word "ping," immediately looked to Lisa to see if she'd been triggered? It is a trigger I, word right now. I'm so sorry. I did, I did glance down. I was like, is, is Lisa okay? Lisa is shaking her head at you because she's trying to tell you she just wants to be free, Justin. I want to be free of the pings. <laughs> Can Morpheus come and free me from the pings? <laughs> well, he'll come and free you from the pings and more. Just come, just come on over. Just come on. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Bring your big jacket. Um... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you got anyway. a snake in that jacket? <laughs> My God. Bring your big jacket. Listen, this, this is the last time we get to talk about this show for a while, so we got to get it all out, you know? <laughs> Um, but on that note, Mason Park, Tom Sturridge, Boyd Holbrook, thank you for your service and your contribution throughout this series of television. Thank you, Neil Gaiman, for this incredible story that just keeps giving and will give until the end of time. This is the last episode so I can't say until next episode but I can say until next season sweet dreams this has been a popsicle podcast production beaches (laughs) I gotcha. The end by Kelly Sue. Are are we really not going to discuss Lisa miming running off screen? Because I feel like that's that 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 is like a permanent part of me now. That little the little arms moving, you know, like that's that's a permanent part of me. I just. uh, 
I feel like I would be remiss if our listeners <laughs> weren't true. I to totally that. forgot that Lisa wasn't here for how I met your Mordor. <laughs> I haven't I listened it. to the episode yet. <laughs> Not that it made it any less funny for the rest of us. Um, <laughs> that we were, in the last episode, we were talking oh about <laughs> how I was annoyed that it's called Rings of Power and there hasn't been a mention of not one ring at all. Yeah, I for said, real. It should have been called is How I Met, how your, I met your Mordor. Because <laughs> it's what it's about. It totally is. Oh my God. 